Father in heaven, thank you so much for seeing us safely through this week, for watching over us, for keeping us in good health and strength, for guiding us. And Lord, thank you for bringing us to this point that we have an opportunity to study your word once more. We ask for your Holy Spirit to please illumine our hearts and minds, lead us into all truth, teach and guide us is our earnest plea and prayer. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, our study this evening is entitled, The Law and the Prophets. And let's go to our key text for this evening. Let's uh, jump straight to Matthew chapter 5 and verses 17 and 18. Jesus says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. Now we've already looked at being lights of the world and the salt of the earth, but now Jesus is bringing this topic in about the law and the prophets. What is he trying to imply when he says, think not that I'm come to destroy the law of the prophets? What does that simply tell us about the mindset of the people that were listening in those times? He is telling us not to even entertain it in our minds that Jesus has come to change the law or the prophets. There must have been people there that were thinking that the law and the prophets have been changed, that, that the, the, the things that they've put down in, in stone and in paper or parchment has been changed. You know, that's even happening in our day today as well, and you'll see that later. But Jesus says, I didn't come to destroy, but to fulfill. And, you know, some people think that that word fulfill there refers to, you see, Jesus, he came to complete it, and thus we don't need the law and the prophets anymore. He came to finish it, to make an end of it. However, that word but is a contrast in that sentence. You see that in Matthew 5, 17 to 18? Don't think, I, uh, 5, 17 to 18, don't think I've come to destroy the law of the prophets. I'm not come to destroy, but... You see that word? But it's contrasting that he is not come to destroy it, but quite the opposite. He's come to fill it up, to, to fully preach it, to fully live it. So Jesus is stating there clearly that we shouldn't even think that Jesus is destroying the law of the prophets. We see that word law repeated in both verse 17 and verse 18, and it must be important. I mean, the central focus that we'll be looking of our study today will be around the issue of the law and whether really it is relevant for us today or not. When Jesus referred to the law and the prophets though, what was he referring to? What was he pointing to? Uh, let's go over to Matthew chapter 11 and verses 12 and 13. The Bible says this, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And you see that word there, prophesied? It's key. In verse 13, when the Bible says that all the law and the prophets prophesied until John, though, who is this John? Well, friends, that is John the Baptist, as we know from the previous verse. Who is John the Baptist? When did he live? It was right there during the time of Jesus. 
it was quite possible that he was still alive while Jesus was preaching this Sermon on the Mount. So all the law and the prophets prophesied until John, the appearance of Jesus. That means from Genesis until John the Baptist. That is what the prophets and the law were referring to. Or could I say, it's referring to the Old Testament. Now, of course, look, not every prophet wrote something. We know in the Old Testament there were prophets like the prophet Gad, the prophet Nathan, who pointed out David, King David's sin, right? I mean, even John the Baptist, who Jesus called the greatest of all prophets, he never wrote anything down. He never wrote any book of the Bible, but yet he was the greatest. And it wasn't who is the greatest as in how much content you've written. No, John the Baptist, his role in heralding the first coming of Jesus made him the greatest. So look, when it comes to the law and the prophets though, it's referring to the Old Testament. Let's go to another text, shall we? In John chapter 1, verse 45, the Bible says this, Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom, whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. You see, when Philip goes and looks for Nathanael, he tells him that he's found him, that the person in whom Moses in the law and the prophets wrote about, obviously the Messiah. And Moses in the law, well, what does that mean? Well, we know that Moses, he's in the Old Testament and he wrote the first five books of the Bible, Genesis to Deuteronomy, that's called the Torah, right? And the prophets is referring to the rest of the Old Testament because the New Testament wasn't written yet. When, when Philip came to Nathaniel and said, look at this, right? The law and the prophets, it wasn't the New Testament. There was no New Testament yet. So we know that when, when he says the law and the prophets, what is he saying here? What is he implying? We have found the Messiah in which all the scriptures were pointing forward to. But not only that, he said the law and the prophets wrote about him. And that has to have been the scriptures, but more specifically, the Old Testament. Let's go to another text, John 1, 29. Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, the King of Israel. When Nathanael met him, he declared that he had found the Son of God, the Messiah, in whom what? The law and the prophets wrote about. That was the scriptures. So Philip and Nathanael were students of the word of God. They were waiting for the coming of the Messiah and the signs in the Old Testament and pointed out how he would come, who, where he would be born, all these things. And so from the Old Testament, not just the New, we can understand who the Messiah is. Of course, the new is obvious because it's all pointing to Jesus. He has a name already. He has a human form already. We know that. But you see, Jesus, he said, don't even think that I'm come to destroy the law or the prophets. What's the problem if we have this sort of thinking? It's very simple, friends. We will never know who the Messiah is. We will not understand that Jesus is our Savior. And even more so, will be rejecting the scripture, the law, and the prophets. But coming back to Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said that he didn't come to destroy the law of the prophets. He came to fulfill it. 
And friends, how did Jesus fulfill the law and the prophets? Well, let's go to a few passages. Let's go to first Matthew chapter 1, verses 21 to 23. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled. You see that? That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Even in his birth, Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets. He fulfilled an Old Testament prophecy. Where do we find it? It's found in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. The Bible says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So all these prophecies in the Old Testament, it pointed forward to the coming of a Messiah. And in this case, what sort of person would give birth to him? It would be a virgin, a virgin birth. Obviously, you know, we we don't think about it too much, but in order for a person to give birth, they can't be a virgin. But this was a virgin, it was a miraculous birth. It was, of course, Mary and and how God would uh, we, we don't know. Let's not get into the, the, the biology of it, right? But it was a virgin birth. And so the Old Testament prophesied of it, the coming of how the Messiah would be born. So to get rid of the Old Testament, my dear friends, is to get rid of Jesus altogether. It makes it impossible, impossible to know who the Messiah is. Let's go to another text. Matthew two twenty three. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. The place where the Messiah would come, where he would be raised, he would be called a Nazarene. The Old Testament spoke about it. So we see even in Matthew here, and we're going through texts in Matthew here, that so many prophecies were being fulfilled about the coming of the Messiah. Let's go to another one. Matthew 8, 17, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, that's Isaiah, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. So Isaiah from the Old Testament, and one of the books that prophesy the most about the Messiah and his coming, and his work, really. And even here in Matthew, he points back to the Old Testament. The law and the prophets Let's also go to another one, Matthew 13, 34 to 35. And all these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables. And without a parable spake he not unto them, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. Pardon me. So another prophecy that we we see here pointing forward to the Messiah. And this was quoted from Psalm 78 and what sort of work he would be doing. He would become speaking. He would come speaking in parables throughout the Old Testament. Hundreds of prophecies of Jesus and his coming. Let's go to another one. Matthew 27 and verse 35. And they crucified him and parted his garments casting lots 
that it might be fulfilled once again, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture they did cast lots. You see, friends, even this little details about his clothing at his crucifixion was put into the Old Testament that God, he didn't want to leave it to chance. He didn't want to just have a a couple or a few or ten. He gave hundreds of prophecies and Jesus, he fulfilled every single one of them. He fulfilled the law and the prophets. He fulfilled all that the Old Testament had to write about the coming of the Messiah because truly, he was the Messiah. Also in Luke chapter 24 and verse 44, And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Jesus says that every single prophecy, pardon me, had to be fulfilled from the Old Testament about Jesus if he was to be the Messiah. This is why, friends, the Old Testament is so important even today. We cannot even understand the New Testament without the Old Testament. It's an impossibility. For example, the book of Revelation. I mean, it talks about characters, all that are in the Old Testament, Balaam and Balak and Jezebel. These characters are found only in the Old Testament. You can't understand the New Testament without the Old. You look at Hebrews chapter 12, pardon me, Hebrews 11, when it talks about all these Old Testament characters. Noah, Abraham, all these great men of faith, right? Isaac, even Sarah, even Moses, Gideon, Balaam, Balak, all these great men and women in the Old Testament. And yet there are some people, (coughs) this is really bad, pardon me. Yet there are some people that do not believe in the old. They think it's not relevant. It's too old. It's, it's done away with. Jesus fulfilled it. All we need is the new. But friends, can you see that even Jesus pointed to the old? He would talk about Sodom and Gomorrah. He would talk about Daniel. He would talk about the Queen of Sheba. He would talk about Jonah. All these Old Testament characters. You know, friends, there are some pocket Bibles out there that have been, that have been put together and they only have Psalms and Proverbs and the New Testament bound together. And, you know, friends, that's not enough of the Bible if we are to understand it, to have a perfect picture of the Messiah and all his teachings, all that he wants us to understand. We need both the old and the new. You've got to study both the old and the new. But friends, how else did Jesus fulfill the law and the prophets? Romans chapter 13, verse 10. The Bible says this, Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Do you see that word fulfill there? This is how we can fulfill the law. But the foundation to fulfilling the law is love. And Jesus lived that life in perfect obedience to everything that the law and the prophets demanded, especially the law. Jesus kept the Ten Commandments perfectly, so that he could be our perfect sacrifice, our perfect substitute. He was the one that paid the penalty of sin. And sin demanded death, but none of us could pay for each other. It demanded in order for someone to pay the penalty of sin, which is death for us, it needs an innocent party. 
and that only innocent party was Jesus Christ. Love is the fulfilling of the law. And in John 3.16, we see perfect love demonstrated. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Friends, it was at the cross that the final fulfillment would be seen, the greatest expression of love for each and every one of us. Jesus says, I am not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. And it was fulfilled that day when He hung there at Calvary on that shameful cross for you and me. You see, Jesus said, not even a jot or a tittle would be changed until everything will be fulfilled. Friends, what's a jot? It's the dotting of an I. The Greek, in the Greek, it's the smallest letter of the whole Greek alphabet. How about a tittle? Well, that's the crossing of the T, the stroke that goes across. That, and it's not the whole letter. It's just the, simply the crossing of the T or, or the F, you know, in our, our, our letters today. So Jesus says that in the law, not even a stroke of it would be changed. Not even a stroke until all be fulfilled, right? And that is not saying that he would change it after that. No. You see, friends, the fact that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, for you and for me, for what we have done, it shows the unchangeableness of God's law. For if God could change it, he could change it to the extent that he would make all of us innocent. But he didn't. He didn't change it for himself so that he wouldn't have to die. No, he went through with what the law demanded. Why? Because the law could not be changed. It could not be. So Jesus, he came then to fulfill it, to meet the demands of the law, to die on the cross for you and for me so that we could be saved. Think not that I'm come to destroy the law of the prophets. I'm not come to destroy, Jesus says, but to fulfill. And then further on, he says in Matthew 5, the very next verse, he says, Till heaven and earth pass, not even a stroke of the law would be changed. If Jesus fulfilled and satisfied the claims of the law through his life and also his death, does it mean that we can change the law today? Absolutely not. We've already seen that, right? At the cross, Jesus set it even deeper in stone. It was permanent. So if we are in doubt in any moment where we think the law might have been changed, all we need to do is go back and look at the cross. But then Jesus says, look, till heaven and earth pass, not even a stroke will be changed. If you're in further doubt by having to look back 2,000 years, then all you need to do is walk out, jump on the earth, look up, look up to the sky and see if heaven and earth is still there. You see, the heaven there is not referring to the heaven in which God lives or even the heavens in which the stars are placed and hung in orbit. The heaven there is simply our atmosphere. And so all you need to do is jump up and down and if the earth is still solid on your feet, friends, the law still stands. The law is still relevant. It is still even today. Even though God, Christ, has fulfilled it 2,000 years ago, he says, even today, it's as fresh as new as the latest product from, 
from Samsung or from Apple for these new phones or for these new laptops, the latest gadgets and gizmos out there, friends, the law is just as relevant and has not grown old with time, nor gotten slower, but it is still quick and powerful as the Word of God is. But friends, when will heaven and earth actually pass away? Let's go to another text, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. The Bible says this, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. You know, we're not exactly sure that the Bible text, at least, is not, I'm not sure, but the Bible text is not clear as to when the heavens and the earth would pass away with a great noise. The text here does not specify what event that is. But has the elements yet melted with fervent heat? As you look there in 2 Peter? No, right? This is still, must be in the future. When will that take place? It says when the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. Well, when is the day of the Lord? And when does the Bible describe Jesus coming as a thief? Let's go to Isaiah 13 verse 9. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, cruel both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. So the day of the Lord, the Bible says here in Isaiah, when that happens, he will lay the land desolate. Has that happened yet? Of course not. And then it says he will also destroy the sinners out of it. Has that happened yet? Definitely not. Which means the law is still relevant. This event is still in the future. What is it and when is it? Joel chapter 2 verse 31. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. You see that? The day of the Lord is connected to two events, friends. Do you see what it is? The, the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon will be turned into blood. And that's when the day of the Lord happens. But when is that? Let's go to another text. Revelation chapter 6, verses 12 to 14. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake. Look at this. The sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. The stars of heaven fell into the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind, and the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. You see, what we see here is same events described just like in the book Joel. The sun became black, and then the moon turned to blood. It went red. And when did these events take place? Well, that's another study for another time, looking at Revelation, right? But, we know that right after that, in verse 16, it talks about the, the heavens being rolled together. And you know what that is, friends? All theologians will agree on this one. It's none other than the second coming of Jesus. And that certainly has not taken place yet. And so if that hasn't taken place yet, friends, the law and the prophets are still relevant. The Old Testament must still be studied with as great fervor as we study 
the new. These two complement each other. You cannot have one without the other. Just as you cannot separate two magnets, they, they all go together in one like this. You cannot. They, they, they come together, friends, right? So it's still relevant. We cannot, cannot get rid of the Old Testament. Maybe, just maybe, when Jesus comes, we don't know, but just maybe at the second coming, Jesus might take our Bibles and toss it into the fire and says, you don't need this anymore. Now you can see me face to face. Now you can ask all the questions you want. Now you have 100% brain capacity to remember everything I ever tell you. Now, maybe you just don't need the Bible anymore. Because when that which has come, why do we need to keep reading something that, that talks about something that will come, right? It's like me reading a book about my wife and what she's like. And, but when she comes, who cares about this book? I don't need her anymore. I don't need the book, pardon. No, not my wife. I don't need the book anymore, right? And I'm not saying that the Bible is not important after that. Oh, how dare we burn the Bible? It's not that. But when Jesus comes, just maybe, he might just say, look, you don't need this anymore. I'm right here. All your questions, the history you need to know, I can, I can tell it to you perfectly. And so it might be just at that time, he'll toss the Old Testament and even the New into the lake of fire. But friends, until that day happens, we much verily need both the old and the new. We need the Bible. They are basic instructions before leaving earth. We need it very much today. But friends, what is this event about Jesus as a thief? We already know the second coming, but is this related to the second coming as well? Absolutely. Luke chapter 12, verses 39 to 40. And this know that if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. The day of the Lord is compared to as a thief in the night. That event in verse 40 is the second coming of Jesus. No doubt. Jesus is not coming secretly as some people believe in a secret rapture and people are whisked away while they're driving or having, driving the plane or the car or a helicopter and there's crashing and people think that that's when the tribulation will happen. No, friends, that's not the events and the order that Revelation gives. And if you're not sure about that, I do have a series on Revelation on my YouTube channel there. It's there for free. I recorded it 2006, many, many years ago, but much of it still stands today. If you'd like to do an in-depth study and a more up-to-date one that we just recorded, I think it was last year, maybe it was a year before, um, on my YouTube channel, I do have one, one study that has the video and um, it's, it's what we, we used for SALT two years ago when we went into lockdown. And you can sign up for those classes there. But look, friends, to understand about end-time events, Daniel and Revelation, really, really important. But coming back to the study, when will heaven and earth pass away totally? Because Jesus said in Matthew 5, till heaven and earth pass, not even a jot or a tittle will change from my law. Well, when is that? Let's go to Revelation 21, verse 1 and 2. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea. 
And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And friends, if you know anything about the book of Revelation, you see in Revelation chapter 20, what has just happened is the thousand years that the saints will spend up in heaven. And at the end of it, then the sinners and Satan and all his angels will be destroyed. And then in chapter 21, New Jerusalem will finally come down. Old heaven, old earth, as in our heavens and earth that we live in right now, it will pass away. There will be no more. It will be a total new earth that God will create. Friends, all of that is in the future. All of that certainly has not happened today. So the second coming really is only a partial fulfillment of heaven and earth passing away. But friends, the law and the prophets will be relevant and exist until that time. Some, might pe- call, some people might call the Bible old-fashioned. It is old, but it's so up-to-date and new. It's on part of cutting-edge technology, friends. We've got to remember that this is the guide for our life. Even though it's been written hundreds and thousands of years ago, God knows how to write a book that will make it relevant to guide our lives, even in this time, in 2022, even through a pandemic and deadly diseases. But friends, what is our role? What is our role in Christ's fulfillment of the law today? You know, Jesus says, I've come to fulfill it, but do we have a part to play? How is this relevant to us apart from the fact that we need to study the Old Testament and the New Testament? Well, it says in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 14, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor, as thyself. Friends, what's the motivation behind me keeping the law? How do I fulfill the law? Well, it's simple. It's love. And it's love that should drive what we do as a Christian. Whatever we do for our neighbor, it should be driven by love. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, keep my commandments. If we have the love of God abiding in our hearts. We would keep His commandments. We would fulfill His law. We would love God, which is the first four commandments. We would love our neighbor, which is the last six commandments. Every word of God will then become so precious to us. Our love to Him will be demonstrated in our obedience to Him and our service to others. Furthermore, Matthew 22, 37 to 40, Jesus says this, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Do you see that at the very end there in verse 40? On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. What are those two hooks, or could I say really one hook, that holds up the law and the prophets? It is love. Love to God and love to man. But we can't love man unless we love God first. And so that's why I say one or maybe two, right? But love to God, love to man, yes. But on all this hangs the law and the prophets. Friends, if we want to fulfill the law today as Christ fulfilled it, but of course, He fulfilled it in a different way. We can't, 
we can't be the savior to the world, but we can still be part of bringing salvation to mankind by bringing the gospel to others, by showing people about the, the love of God and, and the, the, the scriptures and what the Bible writes about this wonderful Messiah who came to save us from our sins. We can fulfill the law and the prophets today by spreading the gospel to the whole world, the good news of Jesus' soon return. Friends, we can be part of this fulfillment of the law and the prophets. We got to love God and love man. So yes, we must be committed to Christ, to keep all His commandments, to obey everything He's told us. But we got to love our neighbors as ourselves. We got to serve humanity. And coming back to a text we already read, Romans 13, 10, love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is a fulfilling of the law. Friends, it's not only love to God, but it's also love to our neighbor as well. And it's not just keeping the last six commandments. It goes beyond that. Friends, if, if we love our neighbor, we will want to become a light to the world and the salt of the earth to them. We'd want them to become the partaker of the blessings in which God has given to each of us. How important it is to have the love of God burning in our hearts today. And it's not possible if we have sin in our hearts because sin makes us focus inward. Sin makes us selfish. It makes us covetous. It only makes us to think of our lives and how we live it and how we're doing and how we want to enjoy. Friends, through our own personal experiences though, our time in the Bible, our time and our walk with God and our prayers, His love will become more evident. And that's why the steps in the Beatitudes are so important. They're not just steps to happiness. If you haven't heard the sermon yet, go back and listen to the first in this series. But they are steps to understanding and experiencing the love of God. And my dear brothers and sisters, may the love of God fill each and every one of our hearts today that truly we can share His love to others, we can share His word to others, that will shine the light so bright that all the world may see that finally the earth will be lightened with the glory of God and then Jesus will come and take us as, as His own. Friends, the law and the prophets. Back then it was the Old Testament, but today I believe it's both the Old and the new. you got to have both. And many times we try to get rid of the old, but friends, we need to take the, take the Bible in its totality today. That is the center of our Christian experience. This is the foundation upon which it must, we must stand on. And that must be upon a foundation of love as well. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, forgive us Forgive us where we've been lazy with our devotional lives, where we've been lazy to read your word, the very love letter that you've preserved for our times. Lord, please help us to come back to your word again. Help us to find joy in studying your word. Help us to hear your voice speaking to us personally from your word. Father, please guide us to that end. May you please lead us with your spirit. Help us, O Lord, to be fully committed to you. Help us, Lord, to make a recommitment to spend more time in your word. Help us, Lord, not to set our hearts upon the treasures of this world, but lay up treasures in heaven. Help us, Father, to be lights and salt to the earth, that we might become a blessing to all 
around us. So Father, please fill us with your love. Fill us with that heaven-born principle of love that truly we might fulfill your law today. Thank you, Father. We just surrender our lives again into your hands this day. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.